Hello, listeners, and shout out to Ms. Rowland. We are the Pink Ladies, and today we're going to be discussing pink tax. Pink tax is an extra tax and overpricing of feminine products or anything that's labeled as a women's product. For example, pads, tampons, um, makeup, uh, clothing, anything that is labeled as women's razors are going to have that pink tax. But pads and tampons are also considered luxury items, which adds on another tax to those, when in reality they are a necessity. This pink tax affects more than half of the United States population, as most of those affected are women, although there are some men who are also affected because it doesn't discriminate against your actual gender, it discriminates against the gender labeled that's associated with these products. Why aren't there pink taxes on gender-neutral things, like, for instance, unisex clothing? So why is a necessity, like pads and tampons, taxed? Hi, this is Nicole now speaking. And adding on to the pink tax, I think we can all agree that female products are made to be harder to miss. They are a lot more colorful and pink and purple and have glitter, etc. And have a lot more fruity and fluorescent. As compared to masculine products, of course, they tend to have black and blue colors, very plain. And their scent is considered to be just musky. And while those are the most obvious differences in between men and women products, the costs on products aimed at women are always significantly higher. In 2010, a study by Consumer Reports was found that, at the time, women paid as much as 50% more than men did for similar products. So now that we've answered your questions and really provided context onto what the pink tax is, let's add a bit more historical background to it so we can really understand our problem. So pink tax really isn't anything new. Rather, it's been around for quite a long time, some decades, you could say. Um, The United States drafted the sales tax system around the 1930s through the 1960s, and at the time, it was pretty different than what it is now because back then usually men worked and women stayed at home and um now those now those expenses were pretty much like paid for by men in the household but now that women have advanced and uh gained more equal rights and now work around work the same as men um we now have to women now have to bear the cost of bear the cost individually of being a woman in the world by pink tax so to really be clear um the items that usually get the pink tax markup and are usually more expensive than they should be are tampons and pads personal care products dry cleaning toys clothes mortgages haircuts and senior home and health care products the only thing that makes these more expensive than um their male counterparts would just be that they're um advertised to women um really 36 days still tax women's menstrual products that's really just insane so after hearing all that 
I assume you can see how it's a need for this nation that needs to be addressed through a federal domestic policy program. Now we'll introduce some court cases and some legislation that is relevant to this domestic policy need. Jennifer Weiss-Wolf, a lawyer, said, I think the motivations around the pink tax come more explicitly from a classic capitalist stance. If you can make money off of it, you should. That still doesn't make it okay, and it makes it very unfair for women, especially when it comes to hygiene products and women necessities. For women necessities, this is also known as tax, tampon tax. It is rather ironic and funny because we know menstrual items are very essential, but other essential items and health purchases like prescriptions, some other the-counter drugs, clothes, toilet paper, condoms, and groceries, and even some less essential items like golf club memberships and erectile dysfunction pills are typically tax-exempt. But thankfully, tampon and pads have successfully been tax-exempt in some states like Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, and New York. Meanwhile, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New York, and Pennsylvania previously legislated on their own to remove sales tax from women menstrual products. And five states, Alaska, Delaware, New Hampshire, Montana, and Oregon, don't have sales tax to begin with, so they don't really have to worry about that. That being said, in Arizona, Nebraska, and Virginia introduced tampon tax bills in their legislature in 2018. You might wonder why did it take so long to bring this problem to the table and have this conversation. But most of our legislators don't menstruate or buy feminine products, so why would they care or bring it to others' attention? A relevant court case is in Missouri, the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which dismissed the case of Karen Schultz, who filed against large chains such as the CVS and Walgreens in 2020 due to the pink tax. Her claim was that Dove manufacturers and sellers were discriminating against women in their pricing and that it violates the MMPA, which is Missouri's Merchandi Merchandising Practices Act, an act that Schultz claims that bans gender discrimination in pricing. The ruling said that, and I quote, Schultz mistakes gender-based marketing for gender discrimination, and if Schultz's primary concern is price, she is free to purchase the men in care antiperspirant. Her choice not to illustrates a difference in demand based on product preferences, not the purchase's gender. The court cited the Missouri Supreme Court 1961 decision, which was about differences in dairy prices based off production costs, as well as two treatises on wage discrimination that was posted in 1973. The outcome was that because preference-based pricing is not necessarily an unfair practice, the MMPA does not prohibit the defendant's pricing. Some people may argue that 50 years ago, women wouldn't have even had the opportunity to purchase their own items. So how can you really say that it's gender discrimination when society has moved forward since then? This also relates to the current Supreme Court case as Roe v. Wade, in which they're uh, protesting against Texas, who have uh, put in a six-week abortion ban on all women. This brings 
these things with the pink tax and abortion bans tried to bring women back to how we were treated in the 1950s, 1960s, where we don't have any rights and where the women's suffrage movement was really strong in this moment. People say that just because now we have more rights than we used to, shouldn't we be thankful for what we have instead of going against what we have? But when we're get what we're given is unfair treatment and unfair money that we have to spend to where we spend over a thousand extra dollars for just random things that we need, such as the pads and tampons, is that really not gender discrimination? Some relevant legislation would be the Pink Tax Repeal Act introduced by Jackie Spear, um, a representative for California's 14th Congressional District. It is summarized as to prohibit the pricing of consumer products and services that are substantially similar if such products or services are priced differently based on the gender of the individuals for whose the products are intended or marketed or for whom the services are performed or offered. This bill was introduced July 8, 2016 in the 114th Congress, but it died in a previous Congress. Um, this bill was then later reintroduced in 2018, April 10th, and it was introduced again by the same representative, but again, it died in a previous Congress. It was introduced in the 115th Congress. Then this bill was again introduced again in 2019, um, again in the now this is the 116th Congress, but again, it died. It did not receive a vote. Now, um, this bill, again, was introduced this year, June 11, 2021. So this really just shows like how long people have been legislating for this and um, really how long women have been fighting to really stop this pink tax and the unfairness of it. This... Um, the most recent time it's been introduced has been on June 11, 2021, and it's in this first stage of the legislative process right now. So we will wait for it to be considered by committee next before it is sent on to the House or the Senate. So now that we've already talked about the pink tax um, and to summarize briefly, the pink tax is the overpricing and added tax to usually feminine products. And we've talked about the context behind it. And we talked about the history behind the pink tax, how it's been around since around 1930s to 1960s. It's been around for quite a long time, decades even. And we've provided um, some facts about some pertinent legislation. The legislation is trying to pass in Congress right now. That's... Um, right now is in its first stage and some relevant court cases related to the pink tax. Now we'll introduce our interest group and our mission statement. So our interest group name is called the Pink Ladies. It consists of me, Caroline, and Nicole. And our mission statement is stop with the pink tax and give us our normal prices back. So 
to really follow through with our mission statement of stop with the paint tax, give us our normal prices back, we have came up with an initiative and plans and outlines of actions we will take to reach our goal of stopping the paint tax and making sure that women's feminine products that are necessary are not taxed. So we came up with an idea to start a specific initiative to educate people about pink tax and starting with working with our local communities and starting initiatives um, in places such as schools and public places to give out free menstrual products in school. And through this, we can raise awareness on how um, these products are actually being necessary for girls, young girls and women all around, all those who need menstrual products. Um, we will also um, start an, um, an initiative and a group and um, start by calling our representatives and senators and really making our voices heard. And um, not just that, but we've also wanted to start the specific initiative of educating through social media and really building a big media presence to make your cause known. Through social media, there can be a lot done. And um, especially with nowadays, as everything goes through social media and people um, are always on social media, this is a good way to really make our voices heard. So yeah, we will really just start at a local level and start with schools and public spaces and really just educate people through um, initiatives such as making menstrual products free and um, working with our communities, educating, calling our representatives and um, making sure there are local groups for um, people who believe in our cause to join in and things like that. follow up on that with more actions of course we will be protesting um locally and um very scheduled protests as well on a very organized level also um as we said starting social media accounts on all platforms such as instagram twitter tiktok wherever we can get the most widest reach protesting about court cases and calling for them to be appealed and like said before contacting contacting our fellow representatives and senate members to really get some work done so this is the end of our domestic policy podcast thank you so much for listening to us and hopefully you agree with our points and see how much of a need this is for well half of the u.s population and the unfairness of this issue and why it's a big current national need thank you for listening and have a great day